Check out Realms of Peril and Glory after these short messages. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. We'd like to thank our patrons, Sarah Elise, Max Breyer, and David Moss, for their support in making this series possible. If you'd like to join them and get ad-free listening, bonus shows, and even more, then head on over to patreon.com slash lightandtragic. Hello, and welcome to Realms of Peril and Glory, an actual play podcast by Light and Tragic Productions, and a member of the Fable and Folly Podcast Network. My name's Ella Watts, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm going to be your GM today as we delve into the dark and labyrinthine world of Nibiru, a science fiction RPG of lost memories. Nibiru was written by Federico Sones and is a property of Araucana Media. That's A-R-A-U-K-A-N for November A. You can find out more about the game by following them on social media at Araucana1 or by visiting their website www.araucana.com. I really recommend checking them out. And if you missed any of that, don't worry, Zach is going to put it in the show notes. <laughs> Today, I am joined by the lovely Sasha Sienna, our very own Zachary Fortescom and James Barbarossa, and the wonderful De- David Devereaux. Hello, players. Please introduce yourselves. Hello, I'm, I'm Zach. You've heard me before, so no need to hear from me again. <laughs> no, Zachary, I would like you please to give me your name, your pronouns, and your podcast background. Okay. Uh, my name is Zachary Fortescom. Uh, my pronouns are he, him. You know me from this podcast, uh, GM for The Veil Campaign, and the creator of The Orphans Podcast. Perfect. James. Uh, hi, my name is James Barbarossa. I'm he, him, and I. Uh, you also may know me from this podcast. Um, and uh, I'm the GM for the uh, You Awaken in the Strange Place games. Uh, and I uh, do odds and ends creatively for the orphans. Cool. Dev? Uh, hello, uh, my name is David Devereaux. My pronouns are he, they. And I currently make podcasts as Tin Can Audio. We made uh, Middle Below, we made The Tower, we, made, uh, we make Folkslore, and we also make the Dungeon Economic Model. Gorgeous. And Sasha? Hi, I'm Sasha Sienna. My pronouns are she, he, or they. Um, I am a games designer and role player with MacGuffin and Company. And you might also know me from Rusty Quill and miscellaneous uh, RPG podcasts and Twitch streams. They are a darling. Um, So welcome all. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so excited to play this game with you. Um, So the way that Nibiru works is that we use uh, every role in the game is 3D4s. And if you get a four, it's a success. And if you don't, it's a failure. But there are some ways around that. You can use influence points. Each of you have three starting now. An influence point, you can burn one to re-roll as many of your dice as you like in a given challenge. Or you can re-roll another player's dice. You can also use an influence point to add a small environmental detail to the scene. 
But there is another even more important way you can tackle challenges in Nibiru. Indeed, it is core to the very game. And that is by using your memory points. Each of you has three memory points at the beginning of this game. And you can spend memory points to automatically succeed on a given challenge as your character, your vagabond, remembers something from their past that allows them to overcome the challenge at hand. This will give them a permanent bonus to that skill, whether it's playing the piano or climbing a cliff face. And it is also, you know, obviously sort of significant to them because it's the only thing they know about themselves. There's another way that you can create memories in Nibiru, which is if you get three fours, that's a critical hit, the rule of threes, you get an automatic positive memory. You didn't realize that you had a positive association with fishing, but it turns out that you really loved fishing in a past life. Uh, or a negative memory. Turns out you hated fishing in a past life. Um, and now every time you do something to do with fishing, you're going to get a minus one. But we will deal with that as we go. Um, do any of you have any questions before we get started? Nope. Nope. All right. So... <clears throat> Nibiru is a world very unlike our own. In this reality, human civilization evolved on a planet-sized space station. They have no concept of stars or sky, soil or oceans. Here, the only flora to be found are the various kinds of bioelectric fungi, which glitter in the labyrinthine steel roads of the world. Nibiru does, of course, have its own fauna, bioelectric creatures which drink the blood of the world, or else parasites which feed on the electrical impulses to be found in other living things. In this world, humanity grew up alongside technology, and it leaves civilization in a strange state. Localized internet exists in some more prosperous vaults, and automata are captured and hacked using what's referred to as Riddler code, rendering sentient machines into what we would recognize as robots. To get an idea of the kind of world you're entering, imagine diesel punk Mesopotamia. Engines and some primitive forms of computing exist, but only in the most wealthy and prosperous of settlements would energy be wasted on anything so frivolous. In most of the world, humanity's story in Nibiru is a tale of survival. Survival on a planet where the oxygen disappears, where temperatures drop below the surface of the moon, and where Kabadu, the world's punishment, gravity, becomes so enormous that it crumples machines like paper. The world you're entering exists in three tiers, analogous to continents. At the height of human civilization, both literally and figuratively, is Antumbra. These are the wealthy, safe, stable city-states, built in the warm vaults closest to the core of the station, the heart from which all light and heat seems to emerge. Like a heart, the core pulses and what are known as lapses, 24-hour cycles brightening and flooding the world with light before it dims and leaves society in the dark like a great and mighty heartbeat. In Antumbra, sprawling megacities compete with one another over trade and resources, and governments are riddled with the machinations of corrupt politicians. Below Antumbra is Penumbra, which is something like the North American frontier. Here, it takes weeks or months to travel between settlements, and townships are often at risk of destruction from sudden resource scarcity. They depend heavily on their patron states in Antumbra, but in recent years, Antumbran exploitation of Penumbraic resources has been a source of rising tension, and the Penumbran or Anyesu people may yet rise up for their independence. Travel through the Long Laps Way, a massive tunnel hundreds of miles long in which the light from the core has never fully faded before it brightens again, and you will reach the Way of Lanterns in the flooded countries of Umbra. These sparse, hardy settlements compete with freezing cold, pitch dark, and crushing gravity to scrape by on the very edge of the known world. Think of Umbra like the Arctic, 
Communities here are small and tightly knit, bound by a common desire only to survive in a world that, down here, does not feel like it was built for them. You are vagabonds. You have no memory of who you were. You do not know what you are. You know nothing about this world or yourselves except its language and your names. You have washed up on the shores of reality, emerging from a point beyond which no human can travel and survive. But you did. And as you wake up in this strange, terrifying, beautiful world, you will need to learn everything you can to survive. Welcome to Nibiru. Okay, so we're going to start the game with uh, Zach. Yes. Your character, Vesa, is drowning. Uh, you are freezing cold and you feel like there is a massive weight pushing you down and down and down below the water. You cannot breathe. Your lungs are out of air. Uh, you also, like, there is this weight on you that feels like you can't expand your chest at all. You are suffocating. You're drowning. What do you do? I do want to see if I know which direction to swim and swim that way. Okay, give me a roll. So 3D fours and tell me if you get a four. I get two fours. Amazing, yeah. So you you spot not only a kind of faint light above you, but also shadows in the light moving, and you start moving towards them. Uh, okay, give me another roll, please. All right. Uh, that isn't one four. Okay, amazing. So, like, actually, despite this, like, crushing weight, you realize there's more strength in you than you knew you had. And, you know, at the back of your mind, you're starting to realize you have no idea what strength you have. You have no idea who you are or what you are or where you came from. But that doesn't matter. You're drowning. You've got other things to focus on. Uh, so you manage to, like, get up. And as you get up, a strong arm grabs yours and a hand, like, tightens around your arm and suddenly you're being pulled out of the water and heaved up into the freezing cold. <coughs> you all right? I think Vesa's thinking about the implications of that question and the many <laughs> different answers that could be given to that question and then just decides on no... Okay, all right, all right, hang on a minute. Um, and you look up into the grizzled, quite scarred face of a woman with short kind of steely gray hair, a big oil jacket on, and she's kind of got some kind of like weapon over her back. She's the person, her arms are soaking wet where she's just pulled you in. Behind her, there is a kind of slightly more slender man in his 40s with dark hair. He's like watching you quite warily. And beside him, a child, a teenager, a very skinny, kind of wiry, kid who's like watching you with big wide eyes and you are on a small fishing boat in a massive midnight black lake in a massive massive steel vault you think you can't quite see the edges of the ceiling or the walls you are completely alone in the darkness with these two people three people give me a roll please four uh two fours okay you also notice that in front of this boat or beside this boat, swimming around it, circling it, there is a strange, diaphanous, slimy, purple, stingray-like creature with a maw of sharp, jagged, glassy teeth, which is just slowly circling and circling and circling the boat. What is that? Oh, 
that? That's um. Don't don't worry about that. That's our slicer. It, her name's Belitum. She's she's ever so friendly. And the woman who kind of pulled you out of the water puts a hand in her pocket and takes out a small handful of what look like batteries, like AAA batteries, and she scatters them into the water. And the thing like moves towards them like a shark in a feeding frenzy. Its tail like lashing, and you watch as like kind of electric arcs splash across the water as it feeds on them. Doesn't look friendly. Oh yeah, yeah. No, she's she's real affectionate. She just loves these things. And um, uh, the woman kind of offers you like some of these batteries. You can you can feed her if you want. No, thank you. Okay. Um, don't worry about it. Um, are you where are you from, stranger? You don't look like you're from around here. I don't know where I am from. Okay, well, I can imagine you've you've been under a terrible shock. Um, and she turns around to the man in his 40s and kind of snaps at him and goes, Ziatum, come on, get him in the crash. Uh, sorry, what um, pronouns do you go by? Um, this is interesting. Um, what pronouns should I go by? Not sure I can answer that question for you, stranger, but I'll tell you uh, what, I'll just use your name. What's your name? Vesa. It's good to meet you. My name's Asharu. This is my brother, Ziatim, and uh, my nephew, Ludori. Um, and the kid, like, kind of, like, waves at you, still, like, eyes big as dinner plates in his head as he's, like, staring at you. Um, and you turn around and you see a massive, massive, massive tunnel, a big kind of arching circle. Um, and, like, that tunnel easily is, like, maybe a mile high, uh, three, four miles wide. And beyond it is just, like, pitch black. It looks like the opening of, like, a black hole. And the kid is like just staring at you as uh, the kind of the man in his 40s comes over and lights a pipe, um, this steel metal pipe that smells sweetly of like something like tobacco or licorice, like somewhere in between the two. And he kind of passes it towards you. You're going to need this, um, you know, just. Uh, what is it? It's crash. What do I do with it? He, he kind of looks at the woman um, and the woman just like frowns at you goes, you're a real strange sort, aren't you? Uh, well, uh, how do you describe Kraj? Um And she looks at like the man and the man kind of goes, uh, you breathe it in and it, it helps your lungs kind of hold against the weight of, of the world. Um, okay. It, it stops you from being crushed. It, it'll help. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, Vesa will take it and smoke it. I don't know how well this is going to go for, for them, right, but, give you know. Give me a roll. <laughs> uh, you know, I fail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you, you try to breathe it in and you choke. You're just like, you were not expecting it to be that strongly tasting of licorice. I don't like this. This is not right. nice. Okay, yeah, I get that. I, just, I, I think do. he just, I think he might just be sick off the side of the boat. Okay. <laughs> um, so, like, they all kind of, like, look at you. No one really moves towards you. The slicer, Belitum, she kind of, like, comes closer to the sick kind of curiously and then, like, clearly does not like it and, like, whips around, turns away, like, swims off a bit. And the kid kind of takes out, like, a small, like, handful of these sort of almost chewable gummies and he goes, I, I don't like smoking it either, but you've really got to take it otherwise. 
Kabaru is gonna make it hard for you to breathe. Just swallow these. Thank yes, thank you. What? I'll take it. What is uh, Kabadu? It's um, you know how right now you feel like there's something really heavy on top of you and it's hard to breathe. Yes, yes. And you know it's like it's making your muscles hurt and like everything is kind yes. of pushing you down. Yes, that's yes. Kabadu. So this oh. it like um, well, Dad, what is it? And the guy in his 40s kind of looks over and is like, uh, it creates synthetic gases which essentially help your lungs hold up against the force of the, uh, of, of the weight. I see, yes, 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 yes. Okay. I understand. Um, and the kid at this point, now, now that he's closer to you, now that he's spoken to you and kind of broken the ice, is now just like really up in your space um and he's kind of like so um how did you end up in angel corridor how are you alive i'm afraid i don't have answers to your questions i do do i know anything that i can tell this child uh roll give me a roll hang on uh, no, fail, fail, I fail. Okay, yeah, no. Nope, you've got nothing. You just woke up in a lake drowning. I... I feel as though you may have more answers concerning my situation than I do. The kid kind of puffs up his chest and like, yeah, well, actually, I am really smart. Um, yes. So, you know, if you've got any questions, you just ask me and I'll probably know. Where? Where? That's a good one. Where? We're, so, I mean, that's Angel Corridor, and he points to the, this mm-hmm. massive, massive tunnel. Okay. Um, so that's like, I don't know, like the end of the world, I guess. End um, of world. Okay. <laughs> you're in, um, you're in a, a Umbra? You know Umbra? Like, the flooded countries, yeah, wave lanterns. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so. Yeah, so definitely. Great. Yeah, so... Um, Sorry, a bit of me stuck in there. Hang on. Yes, I understand. Umbra. Yeah, so so we're... This is the Hidden Waterways. This is the edge. We've, um... Like, well, like I said, this is my dad. Siasim. That's my aunt, Asharu. Um, we're fisher people, I guess. Um, I don't know. Do you know you what you are? You get fish and eat them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Interesting. Do you want some? Yes, I do. Kid like turns around, opens a kind of cooler, and brings out like some like salted kind of smoked uh, dried uh, fish and passes you some. It's sort of like fish jerky. Um, uh, I think he's they're gonna sniff it. I'm curious if I can roll to see what they think of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, give, give me, give me a roll. <laughs> This smells very nice. I succeeded, by the way. Yeah, it's it's good. You should I, you should eat it. It's not for smelling. Like it's not like the crash. You're supposed to like. Chew I it. don't breathe this. No, no. Okay, I I put it in my mouth, and I think instinctually start to chew it. This is yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you, but but Ani Asharu says that you're not supposed mm. to talk with your mouth open. Though. I mean, oh, sorry, you're not supposed mm. to eat with your mouth. Eat, talk, what? What a, oh man. Is, it's it's rude. real strange. It is rude? 
Yeah. Yeah. Rude. I know rude. It's I know rude. rude. Yeah. Oh, so you, you I, I bet you're an Aku. You look like an Aku. You're all, like, skinny. Um, yes. And Zach, could you please uh, describe Vesa for us? Vesa, I think, is very kind of wiry, skinny, kind of has a very kind of high cheekbones and kind of a constant, like, bemused expression on their face. A bit unsure, but I think has kind of open eyes, very kind eyes. Yeah, uh, I'd say uh, quite, quite slim, not, not a very broad muscular kind of build. And I think what you notice about all three of these people, even the kid, even though the kid is like wiry and kind of skinny, all of them are qu quite stocky, quite solid. It's like, I mean, literally they have big bones. Um, like it, it, it's, it's strange. They definitely look physically different to you, quite markedly so. And they all also kind of have slightly clouded eyes and they're looking around this extremely dark lake, like as if they can see pretty easily. Whereas for you, it's a little bit more difficult. And yeah, the kid kind of looks and goes, yeah, you definitely seem like an Aki. Hey, Dad, he, he says he cares about, like, polite and rude, so I reckon he's Antumran. What do you think? And Ziatim is just like, Ludori, stay away from the stranger and kind of, like, guides the kid away away from you. Um, and Goodbye. I mean, you're on a small boat, so the kid walks three feet away and sits down and kind of, like, waves. Like, Goodbye. Bye. Good, good, good morrow. Yeah. Good morrow. what I heard they said. Up in Antumbra, yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, um, and at that point, Asharu kind of like comes over, puts her hand on your shoulder. Um, now, you you sure you don't remember anything? Is there somewhere we can take you? No. Where would there be to take me? Well, we're going back to Nataku, uh, which is biggest, safest city in Umbra. Uh, it, is so nice. we could it is nice in, in Nataku. I mean, it's as nice as anything gets down here. Uh, we go. I call it nice. Maybe we go there. We can go there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We'll 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 go back there. We we finished our trip. I mean, like the kid said, we can't go past that point anyway. Um, and she kind of gestures to this like big black hole. And what is there? Well, that's an um, angel corridor. Um, okay. Kabadu gets so heavy there that boats just sort of crumple up like paper. Not nice. No, and I've seen people uh, like their blood freezes. It's oh, uh, you you can't survive past that. Bad, them. bad, bad. Yes, bad. Very yeah, bad. Yeah. Yes, bad. Uh, understood. I understand. Say, stranger, do you know how to swim? I don't like the water. Yeah, you know what? Considering what just happened, I think that that's reasonable. Well, I tell you what, you stay real safe. And actually, and she kind of moves over to the center of the boat. And as she does, you notice that there is this big sort of trap door in the bottom of the boat. And she lifts it up. And you see underneath is the strangest thing. It's like a sort of sleeping bag, but like underwater and it's filled with water. And she picks up from the backpack, this big sort of breathing apparatus. Like it's kind of like a cushioned helmet, like very worn, very old. And she goes, you might want to get some rest. Uh, use the DDM, it'll let you sleep properly. Um, folk like you, you, 
struggle to sleep down here. You know, the crash doesn't stick in all night, so you'll start having trouble breathing and it'll make it harder for you to rest. So if you go in the water, it kind of buoys you up and cancels that out a bit. So oh. I, can, I can give you this and you can rest in here. Thank you. Uh, yes, thank you. You're welcome, stranger. I hope something comes back to you. Um, as I said, we'll be on our way now, but probably safest for you to stay down there where you can't fall out the boat, huh? Okay, thank you. And she kind of gives you this big helmet, you put it on and you get this mask over your face. And as you do, like oxygen rushes into your lungs and you realize it's only at this moment, sort of like um, if you're in a like smoky kitchen and you don't realize that you haven't been breathing properly and then someone opens the door and suddenly like, oh, right, I was only using like three quarters of my lung capacity. You're suddenly like, oh, this is what it's like to be able to breathe. Yeah, 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 it is. And she kind of like, as as she kind of guides you to get into this kind of like water-filled pod, she moves something that looks like a fishing rod at the front of the boat. And you see on the end of it, there's this kind of clump of like, it looks like just a bunch of battery packs strapped together um, that are kind of glittering with electricity. And when they hit the water, kind of sparks skitter out across the black um, liquid. And you watch the, the slicer immediately kind of like come to the front of the boat and you watch the kid uh, Ludori like put a harness on the slicer and he kind of pets it like the back of it as, as he does so and it, it's sort of like the edges of its like sort of fins like frill of it and it starts moving and as it starts moving you feel the boat lurch forward and then it kind of settles into a smooth fast pace as they turn around on this massive midnight lake and turn away from the end of the world and start sailing back towards civilization um and you are kind of led into this like pod and the door shuts over your head and you are in this warm water and you can breathe and you're kind of, your body is being cradled and you're safe. And slowly but surely you fall asleep. Now it takes you about three days before you see anyone else. So what do you do over the course of those three days? I think Vesa would like to try and understand what they are seeing as much as possible. Because I think Vase is very curious and trusting in people and things <laughs> and perhaps doesn't know that there are bad things in the world yet. So I think is is trying to learn... Um, more about things, testing the limits of things and understanding um, what the rules are around them. Okay, so uh, give me a roll. Uh, I succeed, I succeed. So, at first there's not much, just big steel tunnels with these like endless sort of black waterways. In some of them, there's fungi growing on the ceiling and that fungi pulses and glows with a dull kind of light. Most of it is blue, but you do notice over the course of your travels that green fungi grows on sort of rusting metal and you notice some of that as well in, in, in certain places. Occasionally you see these strange feathered deer-like creatures. They have big black twisting horns and long feathered bodies that are blue and these big long feathered tails and they kind of like run in small herds. You see one skipping up the side of like a vault wall as if it were like a slope. 
you see them occasionally. You see a couple of like bird-like creatures and you see that every time they settle on the fungi, those fungi light up like fireworks. Um, and often the color of the birds corresponds to the color of the fungi as if like they prefer different kinds. You notice that your slicer, Belitum, seems genuinely affectionate towards especially the kid and uh, Ashari, the woman. And you notice that Ziatim, who is the guy, is a little bit more quiet, a bit more scholarly, doesn't seem as at home here in the wilds as his sister. And, you know, you hear them speaking about, like, Amber, about the wise folk councils, about kind of the fact that Ludori is going to be doing his inheritance soon, which is the thing where uh, kids in Umbra cultivate small boats full of fungi and then sail them out to the other settlements, sharing and providing food for other people as a representation of community and sharing community. Um, so he's, like, a little anxious about that and talking a lot to his dad about it and being like, oh, yeah, and, like, I think I'll make sure the red fungi, like, stay okay by, like, doing this thing and I'm going to rig this up and, you know. You like fungus? Uh, well, I mean... Not really, but I like what they represent. Well, I don't, well, I mean, it's important, you know, like it's food and everyone needs food and there's not a lot of it around here. Because if you, if, if no food, you die. Die. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and die. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. I'll show you my boat when we get back. That would be very nice, yes. Thank you. It looks amazing. I, Me and my friends have been painting it for literally months, and it has the sickest designs. Like, everyone is going to immediately Sick? know it's from Nantaku. Oh, like, cool? Like, good? Unwell. No, well, I mean, yeah, but, like, no. It's like, okay, man, you're worse <laughs> than my dad. Okay, uh, like... <laughs> I am bad. Oh, no, no, I don't... I am bad. Oh, no. Oh, man. No, no, no. Um, it's just, uh, okay. Um, if you're a kid. <laughs> this is not what you wanted from me. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, I like it. Um, if you're a kid and you're talking to other kids, then sick can mean good. It's like a secret code. I see. Yes. Yeah. A code. So yeah. other does not know, but you and I do know. Yeah. Yeah, and we you're cool. believe we know sick to mean good. Yeah, exactly. Good. This is sick. Yeah. Yes. Um, he goes to I high understand. five you. I assume you don't know what a high five is, but he goes to high five you. I am to strike you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like put your hand here, <laughs> like, like this. Okay. High five. <laughs> Roll to high five. <laughs> yes. Fuck. I don't want to hit this kid, man. <laughs> Can I add a memory to so I can not hit this kid? Oh, I really don't want to hit I'm not going to let you make a memory for high fives. You can use an influence point if you okay. fail. Thank you. I really don't want to hit this kid. Plus oh, no. two to high fiving. I do succeed. Okay, cool. It is the sickest high five. Um, it very good. Very loud Very noise. sick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it makes like the noise kind of like shatters throughout like this like metal and, and, and water cavern. And as it does, you notice like a kind of distant herd of Ayalu like startle and kind of like go running and like a bunch of birds fly off because like this was a good high five. Um, but after a couple of days of sailing of, of a fairly quiet, slow kind of movement, give me a roll, Vaser. I am to strike you. I fail. Oh no. Um, okay, so you don't 
notice who does. All right. So Ziatum, this like older man, he kind of like gets up a little concerned and puts a hand on Asharu's uh, shoulder and he points. And when he points, Vesa, you see as well that there is like bubbles coming out, out of the water and you see a hand like grasping at the air and disappearing. Judah. There is someone in in what in the water. We need there. They it's not good. It's bad. This is way ahead of you, buddy. Don't worry about it. Um, and Asharu kind of like moves sick. the this. <laughs> what? Midori. <laughs> is it is sick? All right, I, I will deal with you in a minute. Um, and she kind of like she moves the fishing line, and as it does, like the slicer like swims very very fast, like really like speedboat fast towards this uh, figure. Juno, you are drowning. Oh no, Uh, that's bad news. (laughs) Gravity is pushing down on your shoulders. It is making it difficult for you to move your chest and you can't breathe anyway because you don't have any air. You are freezing cold. It's so cold that like your muscles are seizing up and you are sinking down into the dark. What do you do? Uh, Try and kind of panic swim upwards. Okay, give me a roll please. Okay. I did not succeed. I did badly. Oh no. Yeah, so you you feel yourself like you try, but like seriously, the gravity here is double Earth's gravity. And I don't know if you've ever experienced something like that, but it really is just like a really big hand just pushing you down and you try to swim back up and you cannot. And the further down you go, the colder it gets and the more numb your body gets. And you can feel yourself sinking and sinking and sinking. Vesa, on the surface, the bubbles disappear and you can see that there was a figure in the water, but they are disappearing with alarming speed. What do you do? Um, okay, I feel as though Vesa is a person of very direct action. Okay. I think Vesa's gonna get in the water. <laughs> I was hoping you would say that. That's such a dumb move. I know. I, love I, I know. Zach um, knows okay. that this is a bad idea, but Vesa <laughs> is a very problem. Is there? Problem needs to be not there, and so I, okay. as a being with agency, will solve that problem. Thank you. I'm both cool. touched so and appalled. <laughs> <laughs> right, roll. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can use. I an am going to use an influence point to. I'm going to use an influence point to redo this. Succeed. I succeed. All right. Cool. So you jump into the water, and as you go, you hear like Ludori the kid kind of yelp and go, "Wait, Phaser!" Um, and you feel like a hand like just grasping at the back of your like kind of the jacket they've given you. But then like they, they miss, you pull away, you sink into the water. The first thing that hits you is the cult. It is like a slap to the face. The second thing that hits you is like the gravity, like and the way that it's like pushing down on you. And like, so you're kind of like swimming down and it is way too easy to swim down. And you're a little bit worried about how difficult it will be to swim up. But you do manage to swim down really fast because you're being mm-hmm. pushed down by literal sure. gravity. Yeah. Um, and you kind of like see this person uh, disappearing into the dark um, and you are able to get hold of them. Um, Judo, how do you react when someone grabs um, you? I think at this point, like reactions are probably a little bit of a, an oversell for what's going on. Probably just like renewed energy scrambling. 
Yeah. Upwards. Cool. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> All right. So Juno and Vesa. So what we're going to do now is an assisted roll. So in Nibiru, when two players are attempting the same task, what you can do is one of you can give an extra dice to the other one, and then one of you rolls for both of you. So I think it makes sense in this case for Vesa to do the yeah. rolling because Vesa is not drowning. Yeah. But Juno, if you are helping them mm-hmm. save you, um, then you can add a dice to I would that, love to do uh, that. Roll. I would love okay, to Okay, I will roll four save. dice. Four D4. Let's hope one of them's a four. <laughs> Uh, two of them are a four, so this is great news. Amazing. Yeah, so it, it really helps. Do you know, you kind of do find some strength with this, like, sudden, like, hope, and you manage to start kicking, and both of you start making, like, an actual difference and swimming towards the surface. And as you do, you feel, like, the gravity is still pushing down on you, but you can see, like, the darkness receding, and there's, there is some kind of faint light above you. And then both of you feel, like a sudden weight like hit you in the back really hard and you have no idea what it is for a second but then Vesa you um oh actually give me a roll in fact both of you give me a roll uh, I succeed I did not I did bad okay um so Juno you're still distracted by the whole yeah. dying thing um uh but Vesa you recognize this as the nets um that Ludori and uh, Zayatum and Ashari use so you kind of sink back into it and like help Juno as you are both caught in this net and heaved up onto the boat um and the first thing that happens is Vesa Asharu like picks you up by the scruff of your shirt. She is a very strong woman. Um, And... What? This? What what, what are you doing? What exactly did you think you were doing? There was a... You could have died! And she kind of, like, shakes you. I I could have died. You could have died. You could have drowned. Child, sit down. You're worse than the teenager. (laughs) And she kind of, like, just puts you down on the boat. I am not bad. And it, like Ludori is kind of like comes over and is like has like kind of like blankets and is like wrapping them around you and basically you feel like your whole body shuddering with like painful shivers now as suddenly the cold hits you um, and Ludori is like very anxiously like just piling blankets on top of you just like there are about six blankets at this point this pretty much good. every blanket on the on the boat. Um, this is good. What were you doing? That was so insane. You shouldn't have done that. You could have died. What if you had died? What if that would have been terrible? Um, and, they were in know. water and water is bad. <laughs> water okay, is I'm, bad. They needed to not be in the water. I'm getting I, to talk about this. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, and, 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 and Ludori is like kind of just like just very anxiously patting the blankets around you. This child, like, over the past couple of days has become quite fond of you and nearly just watched you fully drown. So, like, it's just very shaky and, and worried. Meanwhile, Juno, um, Ashari <coughs> and... Uh, okay, all right, all right. Just yep, yeah, cough it out. That's 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 all right. Um, all right, stranger. Do you do you know who you are or where you are? Um, I am on a boat. You are on a boat. That's right. That's good. That's good. It's it's okay. Everything's gonna be okay. Just breathe easy. Um, and Ziasim like lights up a pipe of this strange licorice smelling stuff that kind of puts this oily smoke into the air and he hands it to you. You're gonna wanna breathe this. Um, it'll it'll make it easier yeah, to I breathe. I just grab it and like hungrily, just like <laughs> Cool. Alright, give me a roll. I made it! 
<laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So you like feel this warmth flood into your body and it feels really good because not only like the nice thing about crouch when you smoke it is that not only does it help like kind of reinforce your lungs against the gravity and alleviate that, but also it is physically warming you up and you were very, very, very cold. So you breathe it in and this like wave of warmth and relief floods through your body on this kind of like slightly sweet like licorice tobacco smoke um and you like feel relief coming through you and as as you do you notice like the man this sort of like slightly uh slender man like saying something to this child behind him and then suddenly like there are blankets being piled on top of you as 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 you kind of like shiver and smoke this crash and the woman standing over you this this grizzled kind of scarred woman with short gray hair and like a big big jacket looks at you and she goes all right um my name's Asharu. Do you do you know what your name is? Um Juno. Juno. Great. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's my name, Juno. Yeah. Um thank you. And hey, um you thank you so much. You're welcome. I I am Vesa. I'm I'm Juno. It is nice to meet you. Yeah, it's nice to meet you too. Yes. Okay, I know three things now. Okay. You oh know God. three things. I know more than that now. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Ludori it kind is, of it is very. It is very good to learn new things. You will enjoy yourself. That, that's good to hear. Ludori stands between you and is like, I've been teaching them so many things. I can teach you as well. I know so many things. Yeah, I think I think I'd like to know more than three things. But for now, at least I know three things. <laughs> and Asharu kind of chuckles and like squeezes your shoulder and goes, Alright, um Do you remember anything about where you came from, if you were with anyone? Um I remember being in the water, and that was awful. And now I'm not in the water. And that's much better. All right. Well, that then it makes you a lot like our new friend here. Um, and Juno, could you please uh, describe yourself for us? Um, I think Juno has the kind of build that you might get from like one of those Tudor women that works on a farm, like quite <laughs> quite stocky and built, but a bit soft at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Um, Ashari kind of looks at you and goes like look like maybe you're one of the Endness who, do you remember Penumbra at all? We sometimes get travellers coming down here. Um I don't know what most of those words are. Well that's alright. Uh, we'll we'll deal with it tomorrow. Um, well my name's Ashari. This is my brother Ziatim. This is my nephew Ludori um, and this is our new friend Vesa. We picked them up a couple days ago. Um they were out here saying, I don't know if it was the same as you. I mean, it was a few days travel, so maybe it's unconnected, but awful strange to meet two of you with no memories at the edge of the world. Uh, still, um, we're going back to Nataku. It's a city. It's safe, as safe as anything gets down here. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to give you some passage if, if that's what you want. Thank you. Yeah, th thank you all. You're welcome. Um, now, I suggest that you do one of two things. We can feed you, or you can get some sleep. Um, and she kind of, like, gestures towards the Fish is good. Um, okay. Uh, 
some food would be lovely, thank you. That's not me, the um, player, and, insisting. Uh, <laughs> that is just Vesa like, providing you with information. <laughs> and Ludori kind of like immediately jumps to it. Um, I think, uh, Vesa, give me a roll. I succeed. So I think you have noticed that Ludori is very much enjoying the fact that because they have traumatized guests, we are having much more than the usual rations <laughs> on this trip. And so he excitedly starts getting out way more food than he really should. Um, yes, much fish. We need many fish. <laughs> yeah, right. See, that's what I keep telling you, Dad. Like, they, they're, they're traumatized, <laughs> you see. So um, actually, we all need food. And he kind of gets out this... Uh, both this kind of salted dried fish. Um, and Junior, he also brings over this um, hard, almost like cracker-like dark green sort of substance and, and, and hands it to you. Um, here you go, it's a breast cake. A, a breast cake? Rust, I rust, also rust heard cake. breast cake. I also I'm, heard I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> All of you, honestly. Uh, um, yeah, no, it's made from a mama's breast. No, um, Let's not go down that <laughs> <laughs> no, no rust rust cake because it's um green fungi. It grows on um you know rusty things, so we call it rust cake. Oh, okay. Bread, basically. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Um, give me a roll mm. to see how mm. much you like this food. Okay. I did get a four. Nice. Yeah. So actually, it's pretty good. It's um. It's sort of like a kind of seaweed bread, so kind of like hard, salty, a little chewy, um, but genuinely like pretty nice, pretty well seasoned, like you like it and it goes well with the fish. Um, and it, as you kind of eat and the crouch kind of sinks in and kind of gets into your bloodstream and like everything starts working, you start feeling warmer and warmer, you start drying off, you start feeling a lot, lot better than you were like half an hour ago. Okay, so you together now, Vesa and Juno, are in this fishing boat and um, it's another couple of days of sailing before anything else of note happens. Juno, what do you do in those uh, days of sailing on the ship? Um, I probably try and get to know all the people on the boat and um, I think I want to try and figure out what my place could be. So I'm looking for things that I enjoy doing or like feel an aptitude for um, and also what do I absolutely hate doing? So I'm probably trying to help out with a little bit of everything, learning as much as I can. Cool. Okay. Um, so give me three rolls and tell me what okay. order you succeed or fail. So on the first one, I have failed. Mm -hmm. On the second, I have succeeded with one success. Mm -hmm. And on the third, I have also succeeded with one success. Okay. So on the first day you try fishing, it's really boring. Mm. There are not a lot of fish around here, so mostly it's just a lot of waiting. And, you know, like they kind of leave the nets in and they just stay still. And you, I think, realize after a couple of hours of sitting next to the net next to a Sharu, who is the kind of woman who just can sit mm. silently smoking her pipe for hours, you realize that this is, this is not your ideal kind of day. It's just not, it's not just really boring. Just not liking it. Um, the second thing you try though 
is sailing. So this boat has a rudder at the back made of steel. And at the front, as I mentioned before, there's this like fishing rod type contraption, which baits the uh, the slicer bullet and the sting- stingray-like creature to tug the boat at like kind of mm. speedboat speeds. And I think on the second day, maybe you ask Asharu if you can have a go at like using the rudder, using the tiller, and she lets you. This you love. What does it look like when you when you really enjoy like steering the boat at quite high speed through these waterways? Um, I think it takes me a little while to get into it. It's basically that meme of the girl trying kombucha for the first time. <laughs> but like um, <laughs> once I find my rhythm, then it's just like pure joy. Just really enthusiastic, <laughs> like, oh, this is brilliant. <laughs> Vesa, give me a roll. I critically fail. (laughs) Okay. Um. What have I done? (laughs) So here's what happens. Uh, Juno is really, really good at sailing. But unfortunately, they are also having a lot of fun, which means that at one point, they turn a corner really fast the boat rocks up onto its side and basically you just get thrown out of the boat and land in the water. Oh no, I'm so sorry. And I want you to give me a negative memory with sailing or water, whichever you prefer. Okay. This will give you a minus one to all tasks associated with that skill. Fair. Uh, okay. And I just want to be clear for role, for game purposes... I can't do the death of the character. No, they can't. No, but I can't do like the death of the AI. Oh no. Yeah. Like this is, this is, so when you're playing a vagabond in the machine, you are trying to write your memories in chronological order from when they woke up to the end. So this, because it's your first memory, it's actually the thing that made them start waking up. Right. I Um, understand. Okay. So I recall being shoved into a very deep pool of water and the fear of depth of nothingness below me is what awoke the consciousness of Vesa so they were just born in fear fear of water specifically that's uh, distressing. Okay, so yeah, you you land in the water, you freak out. Um, but Juno, you're a really good sailor, so you are able to get the boat back around to them pretty much immediately. Uh, do you guys want to give me that scene, or shall we shall we skip onwards? I don't mind if you want to roll. I do not like water. Water is very I'm, very bad. I'm so so sorry. Um, you're okay now. Oh, I'm I feel just terrible. Is there anything you need? I could use affection. I will give Vaser a hug. <laughs> they are Sink soaking wet. Oh, like... you're very soggy. <laughs> very but afraid. They're there. This is a very afraid. <laughs> okay, this is kind of like this long, awkward moment. And then, you know, you, get, you kind of go back to your days. Um, and one of the things that um, has happened over the course of traveling is that you've learned that you have to take it in turns to use the DDM. So um, Zayatim, Ludori, and Asharu 
they can sleep in the boat um, because their bodies have acclimatized to the gravity here. Your bodies have not. Um, and so you physically cannot sleep um, in this level of gravity. Um, you need to constantly be either swallowing those crash tablets or smoking it. Um, and you also need to sleep in this kind of water pod underneath the boat. And I imagine that this having happened, Asharu deals with the question of whether or not she's going to talk to the traumatized person by just kind of ushering you into sleeping and just being like, it'll be fine, just sleep it off, just sleep it off. It like, kind of just like puts you under the boat to kind of like dream it off a bit and recover. On the next day, Juno, you actually sit next to Ziatum. Now, I think over the course of your travels so far, it's become very clear that Asharu is the person in charge of steering the boat and fishing. She owns the boat, she is kind of in charge of this operation, and Ludori is a kid who is helpful and does bits and pieces. It's not completely clear why Ziasim is here until you go and sit with him, and he explains to you that he is charting this region. He shows you a kind of map that he's been drawing on, like a sort of waxy sort of blue paper like thing and he's kind of like correcting like waterways adding details like you know obviously angel corridor back there he's marked places on the map where they found each of you and he kind of explains to you uh what he's doing and you're also really good at this you're really good at observing the world around you and seeing what happens um so do you want to tell me like what that feels like for you like as you're kind of like going through this world with these strange fungi growing hundreds of meters in the air and these feathered deer and these like fish and creatures in the water and these great sort of cliffs of steel um, i think juno doesn't know very much so she has just everything as a question so i feel like sitting there and observing and like drink it feels literally like drinking in knowledge like drinking a big glass of water after being really thirsty i just feel, feel like cool. it feels this incredibly satisfying fulfilling relief almost to know things and see things cool so because of this judo i'm going to say that this is what lets you notice a figure on a distant silver mm. shore um, their body is completely motionless. They, their feet are kind of in the water and it's kind of black as it laps up against them. And then near, like, there's a couple of Ayali kind of feeding nearby and, and, and sort of nosing around but not coming closer to them. Um, alert the rest of the crew. There's somebody over there. Hi, Sasha Sienna here. And I'm Johnny Sims. And together, we're MacGuffin & Co. If you like realms of peril and glory and hate Elon Musk, you'll love Pitcrawler, our new two-player RPG inspired by classic adventure game books. Pitcrawler is a high-octane, high-chaos, low-prep game of wits, wizards, and unlikely warriors that turns immediate peril into long-term narrative. Now with added thumbs! Check it out and try the free quick start at igg.me slash at slash pitcrawler. Or, you know, just Google Pitcrawler. Either's good. Enjoy, Enjoy the, the show. show. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, you are so cold. You are so cold, and also, you are literally being pushed into a steel-like shore, and there is pitch blackness all around you, and your feet are freezing cold, and you don't know where you are or what's going on. What do you do? Um, I try and kind of... Do I, do I realise that my feet are in water? Or is it just that they're just cold? Yeah, I think after a couple of moments, you feel these like waves lapping up again and again over your feet and you feel your feet getting colder and wetter and then kind of dry and then colder uh, and wetter. I try to save my feet and I try to sort of shuffle up the shore a little bit, a little bit more. Okay, give okay. me a roll, please. Uh, I got two fours. Okay, amazing. So... It is like moving whilst lifting a building. It's really, really difficult. It's like there are weights tied to all of your limbs. So you move, but it's like it's like slow motion, like your muscles are straining, but you do manage to do it and you get up. And as you get up, you see maybe 15 feet away from you, a massive deer-like creature with these big black polished like horns and these kind of like dark, dark blue eyes and like these kind of glittering long blue kind of raveny feathers and this big long tail and there's a couple more behind it and it is like looking right at you what do you do um hello the deer kind of like cocks its head um i sort of turn around and look behind me to see if i can run the other way (laughs) okay so what you see is that there is no shore left there is just pitch black water going as far as you can see into darkness but give me a roll uh i fail that so okay yeah no so you there's just darkness you are in an impossibly huge metal box that is pitch black that is flooded and you are on a tiny steel island with a lot of strange creatures that you don't know if they're dangerous and there is nowhere for you to run other than swimming in the water. Uh, I sort of kind of go... I turn around and face these creatures and go, Hello? I don't suppose you know where we are? So some of the kind of smaller ones like skitter back a little bit and you notice that they're feeding on these like dull sort of green fungi that are like pulsing softly with light. And you also notice like one of them is sort of has its like legs folded under it and its tail seems to be plugged into the sort of metal structure at the center of this island. And it's like pulsing slowly with like soft blue light. The one in front of you though, it kind of steps forward and it like snuffles at the side of your head. And then it starts trying to eat your head. <laughs> I sort of just sort of freeze up and go, um, excuse me, could you 
Could you not? Okay, right. Um, could you? <laughs> the smell. <laughs> the smell of metal and ozone fills your lungs as this like creature like steps around you, and it's sort of like having decided that it can't like it kind of pulls on your ow, hair a ow, bit, like pulls ow. your head to the side, <laughs> and then realizing that that's not really doing much, it, it's sort of like. You feel like it's just like, as it kind of like breathes on your neck and kind of like like hooks its head around you and it starts like circling you. This big, long, heavy tail of feathers like trails over your feet and you see this like strange, like almost like a plug, like trailing out of its tail, um, but like an organic one with these like kind of sort of black glistening, like horn-like bones, like it's big, big horns. You feel this kind of faint static electricity fuzzing over your arms as it, as it moves around you and then it like starts trying to like chew on your clothes. Uh, could you, oh, okay, this, this is right. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, I try to disentangle myself from this creature. Um, can you, right, okay, okay, that's, okay. Give me a That is one four there, so. Okay, yeah, so you, you do manage to kind of, like, eventually you realise that it, it has, like, blunt teeth that, like, I mean, might hurt if it bites you, but definitely aren't going to do any real damage. Um, it's clearly a herbivore, um, and so you basically just kind of get your hands on its on its, on its its head. You go to touch the horns, but the horns immediately electrocute you a little, so you put your head hands instead on its head and just, like, gently kind of push it away, and it kind of steps back a bit, and then, like... <laughs> It steps back a bit, and then like a cow, like it just starts moving forward again. <laughs> like you get it so, away. But it's really- so I start moving back at exactly the same speed because I'm still very cold. <laughs> so essentially, we're staying the same distance apart. I'm just moving slowly further away from it. No. So what you notice as as you do that is that like it's kind of pushing you towards the water. So you you your feet kind of hit the water, and it's and it's kind of like it's like laughing at you. It seems like very confused by what you're doing you're very strange you know um as it kind of like tries to figure out what's going on at this point juno and vesa in the boat you have gotten close enough to see this very strange person in a, an altercation with one of these deer-like creatures which the others have told you are called ayalu or leapers um Ia, can you describe what you look like uh, so Ia is fairly i would sort of describe Ia as solid um, this sort of not um, liquid, not liquid, <laughs> but like solidly built. Um, they look like they could like um, that they could lift things, and but also there's a sort of stillness to their movements, and uh, to the point where whenever they move, they, you sort of feel like that move has been considered um, and and thought thought through and before before the movement was made. So a very deliberate movement. Cool. Vesa, give me a roll, please. So hard to pick up D4s. Mm. <laughs> little tax. Uh, I succeed. Vesa, there is something uncannily familiar about the way Ia moves. Like, it's not, there isn't a direct memory that you can draw on. You don't really know why, but you're just kind of overcome by this feeling of deja vu as you look at them. Like, there is something so familiar. You've never seen this person before in your life. You don't recognize them, but so familiar. Hello. Um, it's like genuinely a little Who are you? Ah! Uh, <laughs> yeah, you we turn around. are speaking and they don't speak. They do not. It is us. Can I see them? 
Do I see them at this point? <laughs> yeah, so you, you can see like a small fishing boat about 20 feet away from the shore in which there are several people. There is a woman in a big oilskin coat with kind of short gray hair. There's a man who's quite tall and slender. There's a boy who's like short, wiry. And there are also two other people. One person who is like pretty muscular, stocky, who is like looking exactly in your direction. And the other one who's kind of tall, slender with these kind of high cheekbones who is the person who is talking to you. You also notice like a fishing rod-like thing out the front of the boat and something rippling in the dark water but you don't know what it is okay um I, hello and I, hello. i'm constantly looking between this creature and and the boat i'm like as soon as you turn away it like butts its head against your back and like starts again chewing on the back of your shirt i can i just turn to are they harmful creatures i turn to ludori no, no, leapers are great. Um, actually, a lot of people ride them. Um, and you tame them. Some people. They are not heads. harmful creatures. You may move away from them safely. Thank you. I had come to that conclusion myself. But thanks anyway. <laughs> Very good. No, no. What, what do you want? <laughs> I'm just quite fed up and cold at this point. <laughs> So Asharu kind of like uh, steps up and kind of like guides the boat closer with like one hand on this sort of like fishing rod like thing. And there's, there's kind of like a prop for it in the middle of the boat for her to move it. So to guide the slicer. And she kind of like moves the rudder, moves the fishing rod, guides the boat closer to the shore. And she looks at you and she kind of raises her eyebrows at this tiny island of steel with no food or sustenance that you're standing on with no supplies. And she goes, oh, we figured maybe you might want a lift. I mean, we can leave you here if you prefer. A lift would be nice. You seem to be getting along. <laughs> Thank you. Excuse me. I'm sort of tried pushing the, the thing off my head. Yeah, do you want to take them with you? Oh, Please. God, no. No, they can stay here. They're not They're not with me, I don't think. I don't okay, think. Uh, Just to be clear, I don't look like that, right? No. No. Okay. No, no. You look like... Um, you look more like this person, um, I guess, right. in, in build. Uh, Good. Uh, so, um, do you, uh, sorry, she, she kind of gestures for you to like get onto the boat. Do you know where you're from? What your name is, stranger? How you uh, ended up here? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's my name. Um, Good name, I'm Asharu. Asharu, okay. I don't know where I came from. I just remember being on that island with those chewy things. Leapers. Um, Leapers, okay. All right, well, uh, let's uh, sit you down. Um, yeah, give me a roll, please. Um, uh, one, one four there. Okay, um, you are noticing that it is getting harder and harder to breathe. Okay. Um, you are still able to breathe, but it is getting more and more difficult. Um, Excuse me. Um, oh, right. Okay, hang on. Um, and um, Ziasim like kind of lights the crash and brings it over. Uh, you need to breathe this. Sorry, I, we made the assumption that you were from round here, but uh, clearly not. Kind of looks anxiously at the other two people <laughs> in the boat. The, these guys came out for a fishing trip and it has gone weird for them so far. Um, um, here, um, yeah, breathe this. Um, give me a roll. They're getting real suspicious when uh, a fourth I, one of us tips up. I, I failed that. I failed that. 
Yeah, no, so you also, like, choke, um, and as you do, they, they, they kind of, like, they kind of, like, this time, because you're, like, you're literally at this point, like, suffocating, Asharu gets out this, like, strange helmet with this, like, oxygen mask on it, and she just, like, puts it over your head and, like, pushes the mask on it, and it, like, kind of bashes your nose a bit, but it doesn't hurt too much, and suddenly there's just, like, this massive relief as, like, oxygen is pumped into your body, and suddenly you're able to breathe again, and your, your lungs stop hurting. And, 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 and after a couple of minutes of, like, deep breaths, um, she kind of, like, takes it off you, and Ludori, this, like, child, offers you these, like, sort of candy-looking, like, grey tablets and offers them to you. Uh, you can just swallow these instead. It'll have the same effect as the smoke. Uh, thank you. And then I, I eat it. Cool. And so they kind of... Asharu, like, moves the boat away, although she kind of looks at you, Juno, and goes... Uh, actually, Juno, would you mind um, taking over the rudder just whilst I um, talk this one through? Oh, yeah, no problem. Yep. It, it is important to be careful, that. Juno. I will I will go slow. Thank you. Okay. And and and, and uh, Ashari kind of, like, claps your shoulder, Juno, squeezes it gently, and then, like, moves over to Ia and kind of, like, Ia, um, they give you, like, a, another big oilskin coat. They are starting to run out of things. Like, um, <laughs> like... Just again, eating them out of home. Of, like, quite... <laughs> yeah. Resource-scarce community, and, like, there's three people now. But they do manage to find you, like, a big coat and kind of, like, wrap it around you. And slowly but surely, like, after about 20 minutes, the crush, like, tablets start kicking in. Um, do you... Are you are you hungry? Is is there anything you need? Hungry, yes. All right, food, all right. Do you have um, food? And Ludori kind of like whoops a bit. It's like yes, food. <laughs> um, and then uh, gets kind of this like again this like dark green sort of cracker like bread and also this like dried fish brings it over. Um, give me your roll. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I succeed. Cool, yeah, tastes great. Really, really good. Honestly, at this point, anything would have tasted great because as soon as you start eating, you realize you have no idea when it was the last time you ate, but your body is telling you it was too long ago. And so you basically are kind of inhaling this food. Ludori is watching you and he's like, you know, you're not supposed, you need to to be careful about like choking. You know, my mom, well, dad always says like, shouldn't eat too fast. Oh, you got any more? You got any more of this? Do you have any more? Any more of this? This is this is really good. This is really really good. Thank you. Good food. Um, good food. I mean, thanks. Uh, we 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 dry it and smoke it ourselves. Um, so you know. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, is there anything here you want to do um, in in this moment as you're kind of like eating and settling into this boat as they move you away from the, the island? With the deer? <laughs> I sort of I sort of turn back and I look at the deer, who I imagine are just sort of still standing on the shore looking <laughs> at me, and I just I just sort of look and I just sort of smile at them in a sort of I won kind of way, <laughs> and then and then Amazing. turn back. I'm, I'm focusing on warming up and just getting everything moving again at this point. All right, so over the next couple of days, you all travel together, Asharu, Zayatim, and Ludori fish occasionally, um, but mostly they're kind of like keen on getting back to Nataku, especially because with three extra passengers, uh, supplies are starting to like run a little low. And so they're kind of like keen to get home, to get to a place where they can restock. Over those three days, Ia, what do you do? Uh, Ia kind of... Um spends most of that time just trying to remember things so they kind of they, they kind of sit in a on like a bench in in the boat just in the oilskin coat just sort of looking up taking everything in 
trying to remember what things are, what things look like, trying to get a sense of, of where they are and who they are, um, and kind of just keeping themselves to themselves, really. More just that uncertainty of not really knowing anything about themselves. It's just kind of, they want to figure that out before they do anything else. Cool, so give me a roll, please. Um, that's a, I succeed. All right, so you are trying to remember things and the more you search your memory, the more that you know that you don't know where you're from. You don't remember any settlements. Ludori talks like at a million miles an hour about like the various settlements in Panama. It's like, so do you think you're from um, Ibedu? Do you think you're from Murder? Do you think you're from Oiltown? Do you think you're from Shepherd's Glory? Do you think you're from... Um, and kind of like just does that and just like nothing rings a bell um, as he kind of like lists all of the townships that he can think of. Um, and you also realize that like, but but there are other things that are familiar to you. So these aren't like memories with capital M Nibiru memories, um, which you can only get by spending memory points, but they, so they're less personally significant, but you start remembering what things are in the world so you see these like birds kind of alighting on these fungi and lighting them up and you remember those are pulse wings and you see like those deer-like creatures again and you're like oh yeah they're they're ayalu they're leapers and you see like the different kinds of fungi and you know that the blue needs a lot of electricity and the red needs warmth and the green likes rust and like there there are some things that are kind of kicking in and, and one thing in particular which comes from such an old part of your mind that it feels like muscle memory is as you're looking up at these seemingly just chaotic like pipes and wires and kind of zigzagging and labyrinthine in every like way and direction you start to understand a little bit about the station itself it starts making sense to you you realize that oh right these facilities flooded so they've been shut off and actually those pipes that look like by the shape of them that's probably like a central processing facility probably doing something with keeping the water clean because the water is clean here isn't it so something's got to be doing that and slowly but shortly like small things about the world make a kind of sense to you and i think that perhaps there's a lot of reassurance on that like the, the, it, it seems a little bit less alien and strange and a little bit more like okay this is a mechanism and it was built for a purpose and that purpose makes sense so as you're traveling, finally, you, you start going into these smaller tunnels. So up until this point, you've been going through essentially vast lakes, like a series of, of, of kind of big flooded vaults. But eventually, Asharu turns your boat into these much narrower tunnels. They are about two, three meters wide, about four meters high. You don't know how deep they are. And you start going down these canals. And as you do, you kind of see these like glittering kind of like, just like carpet of blue fungi overhead that like glows constantly. And you also yeah, have to use the DDM to sleep. So you have to get into that submersed water pod underneath the fishing boat. And honestly, it really helps because if anything else, the light would make it hard to sleep. You're kind of impressed that Asharu and Zayatum and Ludori can. And eventually, like whilst you're going through this, you because of your observance of the mechanisms of the station, because of your understanding of the logic of it, you notice like a shape on, like you're kind of turning past this, like there's a corridor to your right, it's dark, and there's sort of an outcropping of, of, of tubes and wires. That makes sense to you, the pipes make sense, but there's something on top of the pipes 
that is just the wrong shape. It shouldn't be there. What do you? Uh, I kind of say. I, I sort of turn and go. Uh, ex- excuse me. Uh, can we? Can we? Can we stop the boat first? Can we stop? Can we stop, please? Uh, Juno, could you uh, uh just just turn? I uh, I right now. <laughs> You're doing great. Um, and uh, you kind of like the ship turns and as it turns the kind of the bait at the end of your fishing rod is a little bit like the light on an anglerfish right so it's kind of like swinging this like yellow light that like flashes into the corridor and this one doesn't have as much fungi it's pitch black Um, and red you are very uncomfortable you're lying on what feels like a lot of metal sort of things bone metal bones and you're like immediately above your head is like a pitch dark ceiling and everything hurts and also it's really cold and for some reason your body is just like just being pushed into the metal bones and it's it's not a good feeling what do you do um i'm gonna try and like scramble into a uh, like into as much room as i can find and and try and um like sit up and 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 and, and get my bearings all right give me a roll please I get two twos and a one. Ugh. You fall into the water. Fantastic. Um, so you try to get your bearings and you slip on the pipes and you kind of like scramble at it and you, it's like, it's like a kind of almost phantom limb thing. You expect something to happen when your fingers touch those pipes, but nothing does and they, you just slide and that's not ah. supposed to happen. And then you're hey. in the water no. and it's bad, it's cold. Ah. <laughs> ah. Um, all of you on the boat, you hear this person shouting as they splash into so, the water. Um, I kind of, I'm, I'm still looking at where, I, where the thing, where, where the thing was, and I sort of look and go, "Oh, it's not there anymore. We're good. We're good." <laughs> Wait, Someone, no, that's not good. Someone that's, is shouting. That's the other thing. That's bad. Yes, ah. bad. Oh. I We'd oh. better go on, um, and I'll turn the boat. Cool. Vesa has right. become much um, more e- cautious about diving into water since. <laughs> He last did that, and so I think they're gonna, I don't know, try and, like, see if they can do something with, like, the fishing line or something. All right, g- give, me, give me a roll. In fact, Juno, give me a roll for piloting okay. the boat. Vesa, give me a roll for figuring out what to do with the fishing line. Um, I did not manage to pilot the boat. I am going to spend an influence point, though. Okay. I think I might right. also. <laughs> I'm gonna drown. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that one's better. Yeah, I likewise also it. succeeded. Amazing. Okay, cool, great. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, Juno, at first, like, as you're turning the boat, like, you have a moment where Belletum, your slicer, seems really is enjoying the kind of darkness of these more narrow tunnels and is therefore going a little bit faster than you actually want her to. And so you kind of have a moment where you've got one hand on this kind of, like, contraption for the fishing rod and one hand on the tiller and you're like oh we are going to run over this person we are going to push them down into the water and they are going to drown but you manage to kind of like get the bait to like hit the side of the tunnel and it like clangs and skitters with sparks and uh, Belletum does something that none of you have seen her do yet because she is a slicer she's not a stingray and so she climbs out of the water on sticking sort of tentacles which like shoot 
onto uh, the metal wall and climbs up towards where the bait is and then just kind of catches it and just gnaws on it. And like, she has big scary teeth, but honestly, she's just a big puppy. Um, but she is like a massive stingray-like creature clinging to the side of the wall about the size of like half an adult human. But Juno, you do successfully stop the boat. And Vesa, at first, you're kind of struggling. You're looking at the fishing line with the bait and you're like, but that won't carry a person. How could you lift a person with a fishing line? And then you look down at your feet and you see the massive fishing nets that also saved you like a couple days ago. And you're net. like, oh. Yes, net. <laughs> so you can use the net to get into the water. Red, you are, it, it's just so many things are going wrong right now. You don't know why, but everything about your body feels wrong. It's the wrong size, it's the wrong shape, it's not doing what it's supposed to do, and everything that's happening to your body feels wrong. And so right now you feel this weight that you've never felt before, and it's pushing you down under the water, and it's freezing cold, and your feet are kind of stopping moving for some reason. Um, what do you do? Just like, um, again, uh, like look towards the light, um, that I can see, if I can see any light from the surface, and just like wildly scramble to try and pull myself towards it. Okay, so give me a roll, please. Uh, two twos and a three. Oh my god. Okay, yeah, no, you, 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 like, again, like, you're just not as strong as you're supposed to be. You should be stronger than this. You should be able to do this. Like, your mind is telling you that your body can do this, but your body isn't doing it, and that's frustrating. And so you're kind of, like, thrashing, but you're sinking deeper and deeper and deeper into this pitch black water, and you can't see any more light. Vesa, you have got your fishing nets. Are you going to be helped by anyone, or are you going to do this by yourself? Anyone who's willing to help me, I will accept the help. I will help. Um, so, Ia, you see what Vaser is doing. They, they say the nets. Um, and together, both of you, like, heave these nets up over and, like, put them over the side. So, Vaser, give me the roll and add a d4 for Ia helping. Ia, why are you helping? Uh, I've sort of realized that there is another situation uh, happening because I was sort of laser focused on th- something weird being there and then it disappeared and then realizing that there's something else going on and realizing that everyone is coming together to and also I kind of want to get away from the slicer so I kind of walk over and <laughs> and, and, and help. We do succeed. <laughs> All right. So yeah, Red, in the water, your whole body is going numb. You, There's no more oxygen left. Black spots are dancing at the edges of your vision. And like, this is it. You're dead. Like, that's it. For some reason, whatever, fine. This is it. And then suddenly something heavy hits you. And heavy things hitting you in dark water is not usually a good thing. So you kind of like panic a bit, scramble. But then the thing is like all around you and you are pulled up a little gracelessly, arms and legs akimbo in this massive net and pulled onto this this boat. Absolutely soaking wet, freezing cold. And with the weight of like gravity, like crushing you down. And it feels like this net like weighs like, I mean, so many kilograms. Um, What do you do? Um, so the net's around me and I'm getting pulled up but I'm not out of the water. Um, so you, you are successfully pulled out of the water okay. and onto the boat. Uh, I think Red is going to lie still and play dead. Okay. I'm Give just, me a can piece. I just stand over and say, Welcome to a boat. Would you like to smoke? <laughs> wow. So a two, a three, and a one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no. So you are not very effective at playing dead. One of the problems is that you have some water in your lungs, and so you're trying not to breathe, but you have to keep coughing yeah. because otherwise you actually will <laughs> die. And so every time you try to like yeah. not move, you're like. 
I think he wants the smoke. I think he wants the smoke. Yes. <laughs> so Zayatum like lights the pipe and kind of looks at both Ia and Vesa quite oddly and then like kind of bends down, puts a hand on Red's shoulder and is like, uh, you need to breathe this. It'll help you breathe. What is this? Uh, it's a special kind of smoke. It's called crush. It, it helps your body be stronger against... If you feel a weight down on you, this will help with that. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're both behind just nodding. Ah, <laughs> uh, doesn't make sense to breathe smoke, but I was breathing water, so give it a shot. Okay, give me a please. <laughs> okay, a one, a three, and a four. Okay, yeah, so Success. you do succeed this time. Finally. So you you breathe in, and as you do, like the kind of spasming pain, like this bruising, aching pain of your chest goes away, and you start being able to breathe. And this this is right. You should be able right. to breathe. There shouldn't be this weight, and the weight kind of lifts, and you you start feeling a little bit more normal. But still um, kind of wrong. As this happens. Still kind of wrong. Still kind of wrong. But like, but now there isn't the weight, and you can breathe, and that's like a big big difference. Uh, big positive. Red's difference. gonna try and like sort of get into. Uh, a stance of some kind, maybe like a crouch, to try and like get get any like stability beneath him, and just like looking one person to the other, like hmm. keeping an eye on on always trying to keep as many of them in vision as possible. Okay, give me a roll, please. Oh my god, two twos and a one. Oh my god. Yeah, you try to do it, but your body is wrong. It is the wrong shape, uh. it is the wrong size, and it's not doing what it's supposed to do. And as you do, like, one of your legs kind of gives out because it's still freezing cold and kind of numb and shaking, and you, your whole body is shaking way more than it should be, and you're slipping and you're wet and you're cold, and none of this is right, and it's bad and it feels bad. It would appear I am uh, not well. Sick. Sick. Well, that's, that's all right. Sick? Yeah. Uh, you are yeah, sick. Yeah, sick sounds about right. Yes. Yeah. That, that's all right, Traveler. Ashari kind of steps forward, this big, like, muscular woman. She kind of, like, uh, she kind of puts a blanket around you and says, uh, I think you, 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 you took a bit of a shock, so what, what I'm going to suggest is maybe you rest for a bit and, and recover your wits, and, and, and then we'll, we'll yeah. talk through what's going on and, and what happened to you and how you ended up here. Yeah, resting sounds like a good idea. Are you all together in a group? We're all traveling back to Nantaku. It's a it's a big city, so we're we're a group for now. Yeah. Right. And you are the mother. I'm, I'm Ashari. Uh, no one's mother, but I am someone's aunt. Ah. Um, and she kind of like points at the kid Ludori. Um, and that's my brother, Zayatum, and um, these folk are, uh, well, Vesa, Ia, and Juno. Uh, do you all want to say anything about yourselves for our new friend here? I am Vesa. Hello. I am Ia. Hello. I said that, but Hi. with my name. Well, I'm Juno. I'm an individual. <laughs> Why are those two so weird? I'm not What's these guys, guys deal? Deal? Yeah, Honestly, what, <laughs> what name should we call you? Uh, I suppose I'm... I suppose I'm red. Um, no, you're pretty blue right now. <laughs> I am. Oh, that's 
not a that doesn't seem like a good color to be. Oh, no, like no, we, we're gonna we're gonna get you we're gonna get you to rest. Yeah, okay, sorry, kind of like you aren't gonna hurt. You're not gonna hurt me. No, no, I, All I right. promise. Then I won't hurt you. That's good to know. All right, okay. um, and she kind of like guides you into the DDM. Sure. So kind of puts this big helmet over your head, this oxygen, like you're put down into this like warm kind of water pod underneath the boat um, and you fall into a deep and dreamless sleep. Okay. Which also kind of helps you to recover a little bit. Like you have been a little injured by this, uh, but, but you're, you're okay. And so we're actually coming towards the end of uh, this this part of the the, the game. Um, but just as our, our closing couple scenes, Red, for the next couple days, you're traveling through these 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 narrow tunnels. They're called the Hidden Waterways, and they are labyrinthine and seemingly endless. Very narrow, very dark, and kind of lit only by the fungi and this kind of like bait in in, in front of your boat. What do you do during this time? I think Red would try to. Um, stay out of the other guy's way as much as possible, like like in as much room as there is away from the others, but also like walk up and down. First try, like moving on four legs, that's not working. Uh, what? And then like sit for a bit, watch the others. They're all moving on two legs. Try standing on two legs, walking around like they are. Um, but at the same time, try not to give away that he has no idea where he is, what he is, what's going on. Just try to give an air of like, I know what's going on, so I'm not All vulnerable. of you give me a roll, please. Uh, I failed Oh, that. wow. I so also that's failed. two ones and a two. Uh, I've got one one and two twos. Okay, yeah, no, so all of you, <laughs> I love this, all of you think Red is normal. You're just like, yeah, checks out. You know what, Good. that makes sense. This person keeps moving around on four limbs. In there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Seems very active. <laughs> I have seen weirder things in this world so far. As long as he doesn't have horns, that's fine. It's, it's a power stance. I'm, it, it, it makes me prepared. I'm prepared for things. I, I, I just would like to quickly say, I think Vesa's experiences seeing Red thus far have very much taught him about the principle, the, the kind of notion of not trusting. And like the fact that you cannot trust. Yeah. Same here, bud. <laughs> And so I think, like, Red, you, you, however, think that you are projecting an aura of, like, totally normal, Fantastic. not at all vulnerable. Okay. You look co completely fine. Unbeknownst to you, Ashura, Ludori, and Ziatum are just looking at all four of you, like, what have we <laughs> picked up? What is going on? Um, and I think Ludori is a little bit more nervous of you, Red, um, than he is of the others. Um, Ashura, in fact, most of the time, Ashura kind of finds a way to put herself between you and the others. But again, because you think that you're doing a great illusion, you don't really notice that she's just quite carefully sort of protecting her family from the very strange person that they've just put on their boat. Um, but she kind of like is quite diplomatically keeping uh, you away. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you do start to figure out your body. You're going to you're gonna be able to kind of figure out your mode. You start to figure out what it can do and what it can't do. And whilst you're not comfortable in it exactly, because there's a lot of things that you feel are missing, um, you do figure out how it works. Um, and 
just before we kind of wrap up, I want you, Red, to give me one more roll. Oh, I got a four that time. A four, a three, and a two. Red, there is something seriously, seriously, seriously wrong about the tunnel you're in. All of your instincts are screaming at you that you should not be here. There's no fungi, there's no animals, you can't hear anything. You should be able to hear something. There should at the very least be fish in the water, but you can't even see shadows anymore. And as you look up, you see a kind of tunnel of silvery glistening webs in front of you, which the fishing rod at the front of the boat is about uh, to catch. There, there are webs, avoid that, avoid that. That's what bad. What is web? Where, what? That's gonna what? get you. That's gonna get you. That's gonna get you. That's bad. We want to. Uh, we want to stay clear of that. Juno, you yeah. are sailing the ship. Uh, give me a roll, please. Oh, I didn't make it. I'm gonna spend an influence point. This is my last one, though. We're just doling these out. <laughs> oh, um, no, actually, I haven't done that. So now's not a good time to try and establish a memory link with someone. I did not make it again, and I do not have any influence points. Okay. I would like to expend so mine. I would like to expend <laughs> mine. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> yes! Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yes. So um, you, Juno, managed to stop the boat just in time, and, and you notice, like, the end of the fishing rod kind of, like, touches the web and it sticks for a second and bounces back and pulls away, doesn't quite get caught. But this tunnel is very narrow. It's not wide enough for the boat to turn around in, so you're going to have to reverse back out of the tunnel. And Red, as like the boat comes to a stop and silence falls, you, out of everyone, you feel the presence of something big coming down this tunnel and you hear a kind of rumbling. And that is where we're going to stop. Oh, my goodness. Ooh. So that was episode one of... <laughs> oh, my God. Thank you so much for listening to Nibiru. Please head out and support our players today, starting with Sasha Sienna, who is currently running a crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo for MacGuffin & Co.'s new game, Pit Crawlers. Pit Crawlers is an over-the-top two-player fantasy RPG inspired by old-school adventure game books. The Kickstarter close is not long from when this episode comes out, so if you want to check it out, head over to MacGuffin & Co. on Twitter for the link. There will be a link down in the show notes. Please also head out and support Ella Watts. You can follow her on Twitter at G-E-J Watts, W-A-T-T-S. There you can find out all of her podcast projects, She's recently been the producer behind Doctor Who Redacted and has now started to work on Zombies Run. Please do go check out her work. You can check out David Devereaux on Twitter and Instagram at Devereaux Base. They make audio drama under the name Tin Can Audio for shows like The Tower, Middle Below, and Folkslore. They're an incredible composer who streams quite regularly and you should definitely check them out. You can follow James Barbarossa on Twitter at BarbarossaFun, though he has told me that you probably shouldn't and that instead you should check out The Orphans. The Orphans is a science fiction romp that spreads across galaxies in a dystopian world. There are clones, AI, and rebellion. You should definitely check it out. Finally, you can follow myself personally on Twitter and Instagram at ZachFG, that is Z-A-C-K-F-G. The best way to support the show is by heading to patreon.com slash lightandtragic, where you can get bonus shows like our newly released High School of Horror, as well as companion podcasts for some of our other series, like Waiting for James and GM's Guide to Veil. 
On top of that, you also get ad-free listening and production updates. You can follow Realms of Peril and Glory on Twitter and Instagram at RealmsPod. That's R-E-A-L-M-S-P-O-D. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. 